0: You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: You are Locked On Packers part of the Locked On Podcast Network with a team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Expert Tuesday, friend of the show. America's guest, Jason Hershorn, back on the show so soon today because he hit me up with a theory before the Packers played the Vikings on Sunday. He said, if this happens, we need to talk about it because I have takes. And guess what? The thing happened. And so we have to talk about it. And we're going to talk about that and a lot more coming up here. Uh, Later in the show, remember tomorrow, Lily Zhao on the show, crossover Thursday coming up later in the week. And it just so happens, the reason this works so beautifully to have Jason on the show today to talk about his pet theory is that it was about Elton Jenkins and his potential future with the Green Bay Packers. And Elton Jenkins did get the start at right tackle in... Billy Turner's stead on Sunday, and what we found out is that's even more important because of what has happened over the last 24, 48 hours because Lucas Patrick gets hurt in the game on Sunday, and so does Lane Taylor. That creates a lot of shuffling that the Packers potentially have to do. That gets worse when we find out Lane Taylor will miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. And so the Packers have a lot of decisions to make how they want to put this roster together moving forward. This offensive line on Sunday against the Vikings, against Yannick Ngakwe, and a cast of uninspiring rushers beyond that gave up four total pressures according to Pro Football Focus. Only one was tagged to an offensive lineman, and that was Lucas Patrick. The other three were on Rodgers. So the Packers had success with a number of permutations of this offensive line. They went with Elton Jenkins at right tackle, Lucas Patrick at left guard, and then the rest the same. Lane Taylor steps in at right guard, even though he was the left guard last year. Elton Jenkins took that job from him after Lane Taylor got hurt. This is the second straight season-ending injury for Lane Taylor, which is a huge bummer considering how excellent he'd been in training camp and how strongly he started the season. He had played well in the game before the injury and was someone that could have been a future part of this roster. It's hard to envision that now coming off a serious leg injury. So where do the Packers go from here? The most likely option is they start the group of five when they have them all healthy that we thought we'd see when the Packers signed Rick Wagner in the spring. You've got Bakhtiari and Rick Wagner at tackles. You've got Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner at guard and Corey Linsley at center. This gets more complicated if Billy Turner can't go on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Because then you could just slide Lucas Patrick in at right guard if he's ready to go. Reports on Monday were that Lucas avoided serious injury and could be ready to go as soon as this week. Well, you saw John Runyon Jr. play on Sunday. He played well enough. Certainly was not a disaster. If you think Elton Jenkins is the best right tackle to play then maybe you play him, especially if Billy Turner is not able to go. If Turner is able to go, then you have all of these questions on how to proceed. And we just don't know the answers at this point. We, we just don't. And it, it may not matter because Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings, his average time to throw was 2.3 seconds fewer than what we think of normally as the standard, you want to get the ball on two and a half. Rodgers, even in years where he's been really good, has, you know, been in that 2.75 range, well above league average in terms of how long he takes to get the ball out. But he was hitting his back foot and firing. So if you're able to get that kind of play from Aaron Rodgers, it's a little less important that your offensive line is peak performance obviously you want to have the best five out there but if that means some growing pains because the continuity is not necessarily there maybe you are willing to do that because your long-term plan says we want to get these guys in these spots and we think this is the best way to do it that's a decision the Packers are going to have to make now luckily they get to, to do it against a Lions team this week that doesn't have a premier pass rusher on the outside or on the interior. And that's all well and good, but the schedule's gonna get tougher. They're gonna have to go play New Orleans in New Orleans, and they've got Marcus Davenport, and they've got Cameron Jordan, and they've got Trey Hendrickson, and they've got Sheldon Rankins, and a bunch of guys who can wreck your game. And you still have to go to San Francisco and play Nick Bosa and D. Ford and Eric Armstead and all those dudes. You still have to play the Bears with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and all of those game-wreckers that they have. This has to get figured out. And the Packers have a very important decision to make. They have to balance the long-term and the short-term. It's not an easy set of decisions by any means. And I don't think we should downplay how important it is to make a call that is both relevant for the long term and the short term. Because, of course, you want to win games, but you also have to evaluate some of these players. Are they giving you what you need to give now? Can they give you what you need from them in the future? These are all questions that that Green Bay has to figure out while trying to win games. It's not an easy line to walk, and it is the burden that Matt LaFleur now faces. Now, after seeing him perform against Mike Zimmer on Sunday with an offseason to get ready, I mean, week one, you always have your best stuff ready to go. If you don't have your best stuff ready for week one, what were you doing? Can he get it ready for week two? Can he make some of these kinds of decisions? And, and LaFleur pushed every right button last year. Every right button. And not just because they went 13-3, and and not just because of the culture, but, you know, against the Lions. This is an appropriate topic. You throw in Alan Lazard because the quarterback says, hey, we got to do this. Give me this guy, and we'll go win this game. And guess what they did? Every little button that he needed to push, he pushed, and it worked. So far this year, the buttons that Matt LaFleur needed to push, he was able to push. So... He has to figure this out. He he was non-committal last week, and and we flagged it on this show. We said, hey, look, if Elton Jenkins had no chance to play right tackle for the Packers, Matt LaFleur would have said, no, we're not considering that. No, Why would we do that? If, if. No. No. But it was in play, and, and Matt LaFleur tipped his hand by... Refusing to answer whether or not it was in play. And then Jenkins goes out and has a strong start. And then in the middle of the game, goes back to left guard and just continues to do his thing. It's pretty remarkable. And it's something we're going to talk with Jason Hershorn about coming up. After the break this season, get football on your time with NFL game pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in a game in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL game pass is the only place. You can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best in football like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL film's archive Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, let's get to my conversation with Jason Hershorn. You can follow him on Twitter at buy underscore JBH. He is America's guest, my former colleague at Acme Packing Company. He has a new gig that he will tell you about when he is able to do so. In the meantime, he has a pet theory that I'm really happy to have him on to discuss. And we're going to talk about Sunday's game as well, because that's what we do here on Tuesdays. Jason, we made up for you not being on the show for a while with what are back basically back-to-back appearances. Thanks for coming back on Locked on Packers so soon.
0: Yeah, well, Peter, it's... The season is here, I'm very excited, and I enjoy almost more than anything else related to football talking about these kind of topics with you. So it's it's an organic experience for me. I hope that this is not just perfunctory for you because you have so many guests on your podcast.
1: (laughs) No, of course not. The, the thing is, is you and I talk about football so much off of the podcast. It's almost like, do we do we talk, do we hit on this? What do we talk about on the podcast? Because we talk about everything off of it. And that's exactly why you're on the show today, because you came to me with an idea before we saw what was going to happen on Sunday. And of course, I don't think anyone would have predicted what we actually saw overall from the Packers. But you came to me with an idea about Elton Jenkins And we got at least a glimpse of it on Sunday. Do you want to explain that a little bit?
0: Yeah, well, you and I were discussing sort of what we could see from the Packers offense, not just schematically, because obviously we've had that discussion before, but in terms of what it would actually look like in terms of personnel. And a big part of that, obviously, with the injuries across the line, was what would they do at right tackle? And what I suggested to you is whether or not it was going to happen right now, that perhaps this is actually the time when they start seriously considering Elton Jenkins as their long-term solution at right tackle. And it's not just because it fills a need. It might actually be the best use of his skill set. Now, he's a second-year player, is coming off a tremendous rookie year, probably the best rookie year of a Packers offensive lineman that I can remember. I mean, even even like David Bakhtiari, who had a, a very commendable rookie year, was not this guy as a rookie. He probably wasn't even a true plus, plus, plus pass protector until probably his third or fourth season, whereas Elton Jenkins was that guy right out of the box. And if you consider his age and you consider his physical tools, then maybe the natural uh, NFL trajectory for him is something like Lyle Collins, where Lyle Collins came out of LSU, signed with the Cowboys, and it started almost immediately at left guard which is very similar to what happened with Elton Jenkins and the Packers. And then going into his second season, they ended up moving him from left guard to right tackle, and that's where he's been since. And his physical tools translated because of how big he is, because of how well he moves. And these are all things that we can also say about Elton Jenkins. So I I think that's where the conversation starts, that it's not just something that he could do. It's actually something that might be really good for him long term, That not that he wouldn't be a good player at guard, but he might be as good of a player at right tackle, and that might be more valuable to the team.
1: Well, and that is uh, where the Packers have to make the decision, right? It is usually harder to find that pass-protecting right tackle. We're seeing that this year. I mean, they went out and signed Rick Wagner. They had Billy Turner rotating in there. And, and then Jenkins, with what we assume is limited practice time, uh, goes out and performs admirably before Lucas Patrick goes down with an injury. Now they have some options. What do you think the short-term solution is here? Do you you think we see Elton Jenkins even once, let's say, Billy Turner gets healthy?
0: I think Billy Turner's going to end up being the right tackle this season, at least until he does something to lose that opportunity. Rick Wagner was fine on initial viewing for me yesterday. I I thought that he didn't do anything spectacular, but he was not a liability. That's kind of what they wanted from him when they made that contract. So w- with that in mind and knowing that they prefer Billy Turner there at the beginning, I would imagine that one of those two guys is going to end up being there, especially when you consider that Lane Taylor may not be a part of this offense for the foreseeable future. And that someone like Lucas Patrick, who may return in time for next week's game, could be someone that they slot in at guard, leaving uh, Elton Jenkins at the other guard spot. And they just figure out tackle with who's ever health- healthy there. But long, long term, I still think this is an interesting conversation because it's not just that Elton Jenkins might be able to do a really good job at right tackle and that that's a harder thing to find than guard. If you look at the investments that that team made on the third day of the draft this year, it looks more and more yep. like that's where they already have their investment set. You know, it's not that every single guy they drafted on day three on the offensive line, is going to be a starter. But they certainly expect at least one of those guys to eventually become a starter. And we saw a preview of that, actually, in Week 1, which is something that neither of us expected. And I don't think the Packers coaching staff expected to see John Runyon play a meaningful snap from scrimmage in Week 1 of his rookie season. But I'm not saying we evaluate that. He only played, I think, 19% of their offensive snaps, which is not nothing, but it's also not enough to really go off of. He looked fine, maybe in uh, more exposure. That would have changed. We don't know yet. But you expect someone like Runyon or maybe like like Hanson, who they drafted also in that round, or the guy who's currently on PUP, uh, Steven. I, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I—or Simon, excuse me, I will screw it up. But one of those guys, if not— I,
1: I think it's to panic.
0: You always, want your, you always want your offensive lineman to have a name that sounds like it has panic in it. But— if you, look, yep. if you look at those three guys, you assume that at least one of them is going to become a meaningful player for that offensive line. And it could be more than one. It's, it's entirely possible yep. that Hanson becomes the the week one starter at center next season when presumably Corley Lindsley is gone because his contract has expired. And that perhaps John Runyon is one of the other guys that comes in to play along the interior. And you know they have Lucas Patrick on a two-year deal that will cover the 2021 season. They obviously like him. He is there. It appears to be their number one backup offensive lineman, regardless of position. So you know that they like him enough to start him. He's actually at pretty much at a similar point in his career now as Lane Taylor was when he became a starter when the team released Josh Sitton right before the, I want to say the 2016 regular season. So these are all pieces that they're comfortable with, or at least that you think that they will be comfortable with in regards to those rookies. And Elton Jenkins, it appears, can play guard or tackle with you know, with, with some ease like it was not a problem for him from what I saw on Sunday and it's shifting back in the middle of the game which is not an easy thing to do even for a veteran he did that without any issue so I think he's someone you can peg at any one of those spots even center given what he did at Mississippi State and feel comfortable with it so if you can play him at any one of those spots the one that's most valuable as you described earlier is probably right tackle and they might already have the players to fill in those other spots when 2021 rolls around so if that's the case maybe it makes sense to give him run at right tackle now to further evaluate his long-term viability there and then figure out what's the best combination of players as you go along.
1: Yeah, and and the Lane Taylor injury complicates this, right? Because if, if Lane Taylor doesn't get hurt, maybe it's easier to say, okay, we can keep Elton Jenkins, if you're the Packers, at right tackle, and you have two other starting guards that you feel really good about. Well, without Taylor... It, it seems at least simpler to keep Jenkins at left guard, to play Turner at right guard, and have Wagner play at right tackle. But Matt LaFleur has in the past shown a willingness to say, I don't care what's the easiest. I want the five best guys out there. And if he thinks that means Elton Jenkins at right tackle, it seems like that's where he's going to play.
0: Yeah, and if everyone's healthy, it's clear that that would be the go-to move if something were to happen at right tackle. Now it's obviously much more complicated for the reasons you just described. I don't know right now what the offensive line is going to look like going into Week 2, even if we assume everybody other than Taylor is available. Does that mean that Billy Turner goes back to right guard? Does that mean that Billy Turner starts at right tackle and they go with Lucas Patrick, assuming he's available at right guard? Those are all combinations that seem viable given what they've done already. But it's just such an uncertainty right now. I'm not even sure that the coaching staff knows.
1: Speaking of the coaching staff, we were talking before we got going here about what we saw Sunday from Matt LaFleur. And, and Aaron Rodgers will get all the headlines, and rightfully so, he was as good as we've seen him since 2016, probably.
0: Maybe early there 2017, if, to... if you're really stretching. So he did have some games yep. there. But I mean, it's been a while since he played that well.
1: That Cowboys game in 2017, the game winner to Devonte Adams at the end, uh, yeah, that that certainly would be in the conversation. And obviously the playoff game in Dallas, which was the year 2017, but the 2016 season. You and I have had a lot of discussions about the Mike McCarthy opus game, the the 2014 game against the Patriots, that was the peak of his play calling and play design. What we saw Sunday from Matt LaFleur, it's not a long list because he's only been the coach for 17 regular season games and and 19 total games. It already becomes on the short list of great play calling and play design games from LaFleur.
0: Yeah, and it's not just the the final numbers, the the totals in terms of yardage production, the, the run-pass ratio, although as you and I discussed multiple times during the offseason, I believe also on this podcast, just because they want to tie elements of their offense to the run does not necessarily mean that they are yep. going to dominate it with the run. And that's what we saw yesterday, but it wasn't just those things. It was where he sprinkled in the little things, when he decided to use Tyler Irvin, when he decided to run the jet sweep as opposed to just using the jet motion. It was so organic. It did not feel at any point in time like he was forcing those things, and it was clear how that affected the Vikings' defense. If you go back and watch that game, and I'm not speaking to you, Peter, I'm speaking to your listeners back home, watch the linebackers because on the vast, vast majority of plays, you'll have some going left and some going right because they do not know where the play is designed to go, and that's how this offense is supposed to work. You want to see if you're running one of those Shanahan-derived schemes for that second layer of the defense to have no idea in any given play where things are going. And through pre-snap motion, and there was a lot of that on Sunday, through play action, and there was a lot more of that on Sunday too, they really did not know. And it opened up things over the middle. You saw a lot more passes through the middle of the field, which was an issue for the Packers last year. You certainly saw a lot more progression downfield, especially after the first quarter. I think early on, they were doing a lot more methodical movement, and then it started to open up as Rodgers and that unit settled in. This is the version of that offense that you have to imagine Brian Gutekunst and and, uh, Mark Murphy envisioned when they first hired LaFleur, that this could play to Rodgers' strengths, keep him from playing to his weaknesses, at least the weaknesses he has now late in his career and really utilize all those different weapons in different ways. I thought it was an incredibly effective game plan and his most creative game plan since he's become a play caller, not just with the Packers, but going back to his year with Tennessee.
1: And I think an underrated piece of that is there were the opportunities for Rodgers to come to the line of scrimmage and make all the decisions that make Rodgers special pre-snap. I mean, there were times when they would get up from a play and just get lined up in a, you know a spread set and Rogers, okay, he's surveying the defense. Okay, he wants the, the back back in the backfield, or he wants to go to a different formation. And he's just calling out whatever he thinks is the best play in that moment. It's taking those those Shanahan elements and still allowing Rodgers to do the things that he's so good at. That was the heart of what you and I and everyone who you know has has covered this team, watched this team over the last few years were worried about is maybe overselling it but at least thinking about last year when we're going what is this going to look like this is as you said the ideal version of what that looks like being able to mix those things that was a real question this time last year if the packers were going to be able to do that
0: yeah and I'm glad you brought that point up because if you go back to the second half I want to say it was either late in the third quarter or early in the fourth Rodgers is in an empty set Right before the snap, he sees something. He doesn't even audible out of the formation. He just calls a hot route to Alan Lazard, who goes from whatever he was going to run to basically just a seam route. Wide open, and if Lazard doesn't trip himself up, he has a touchdown. And, of course, he has a touchdown two plays later. But the point being is those are the small little adjustments that Rodgers was able to make on Sunday that we didn't see him consistently make last year, probably because it was a new offense. And not that he doesn't understand that. But understanding an offense on an intellectual level is not the same as being able to fully run it in practice. That does take reps. And as we've seen with this kind of offense, it usually takes a full year to internalize. And then you see the real growth in year two and year three. So it's one game. We don't want to make too much of that. But... There were certainly no. parts of that that made sense. That there were organic growths for Rodgers and the offense that you can expect to see for the rest of the season, at least as long as you know Rodgers is healthy and that he has a reasonable complement of weapons.
1: Yeah, and I, that's sort of where I want to wrap this discussion up and, and ask you because this was a Vikings defense without Daniil Hunter. It was a Vikings defense starting a bunch of guys who are never really been re- relied upon in, in their... Uh, NFL careers, such as they have one, Cam Dantzler, a rookie to be full-time players, and Aaron Rodgers was unbelievable. Yet when I, when we watched, and and for a lot of the reasons that we've discussed here with Matt Lafleur, it didn't look like a lot of stuff that was just crazy or fluky. It looked like this was the offense running the way it's designed to run. How sustainable is at least this approach for the Packers moving forward?
0: Well, if you're looking tor- or towards this Sunday, I would say pretty sustainable because a lot of the issues you can say about the Vikings' defense in terms of the secondary also right. apply <laughs> to the Detroit Lions. <laughs> that said, I think you're right, that there are a lot of things that we saw on Sunday that didn't seem like, oh, they are just completely spamming a particular matchup. And yes, Devontae Adams got pretty much anything he wanted at any given time. But that's not just something you can expect to happen against the Minnesota Vikings. That's something you can expect against most opponents. And a lot of the other stuff, the jet motion, the Tyler Irvin kind of stuff, it just just the way that they use their play action and, and peppered in a lot of those those like little flavorings. I think that's stuff that you can expect to, to happen most weeks. It may not be as effective, but I think you can expect it to be effective in general. And so I, I would imagine that even if they're not going to put up 43 points and that's incredibly unlikely they're going to do that even another time this season just because that's so difficult to do. You can expect this offense to operate in a very similar manner, at least when they're in neutral game scripts or neutral game situations. And that's, again, what's really important here. For the majority of the game until, again, late in the third quarter, the Packers were still in what was more or less a neutral game situation. And you saw them pepper in not just runs, not just play action, not just just sweep, not just those little push passes, but they did all of that. And so that tells you a lot about what they really want this offense to look like. This wasn't them getting up super early by a sizable margin, just being able to run out the clock or them playing from behind in both cases that limits the menu. This was them playing with more or less their full menu and showing you what they want to do with it and it working very organically with each other. So I think as you put it, this is something that we can't expect to see a version of most weeks.
1: This is great, Jason. Let my listeners know where they can find more of your work.
0: Well, you can find me on Twitter at buy underscore J.B.H. And we're still probably about a week away from me being able to announce my new outlet. But I look forward to telling your listeners when that happens.
1: Very excited for that, Jason. Thanks, as always, for coming on the show. Anytime, Peter. I want to thank Jason again for joining the show. Before we finish up here, let's talk about Rock Auto. Let's talk about your car, because a lot of people are not going to work, but they're still Got to go to the grocery store. They still got to get around. They still got to use their car. And that means you can have issues. And anyone who's ever had a car knows you can have issues. I had some beaters in my day. And there were plenty of times where I had to go and get them fixed. And I had no idea if I was getting a good deal on the parts. Plenty of the time, I probably could have just done it myself. I did change my oil once by myself. I know I joke a lot about my lack of car acumen, and and that's real. But I did change my oil all by myself one time. Be proud of me. Rock Auto can help you with whatever you're trying to get fixed on your car. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers where they will not gouge you. They will not treat you like a dumb idiot. For not knowing everything there is to know about cars, rockauto.com's catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same Parts, it doesn't make any sense. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Back tomorrow with Lily Zhao on the show. We have a tentative name for the segment, and I don't want to spoil it because, well, because we're going to announce it tomorrow. You got to listen. It's easy as that. It is as easy as that. Yesterday, we were rocketing up the iTunes charts because everyone wanted to come experience the glow of a week one win and not just a week one win, a virtuoso week one performance by Aaron Rodgers in a victory over the rival Vikings. You guys were all about it, so let's keep this going. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts you will find, Locked on Packers, Hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline if you want to. Again, in a win, you guys just like are are much more quiet. If if the Packers are playing like crap, you guys are all about the the fan hotline. But if the Packers are playing well, it's just like, hey, wasn't that fun? (laughs) Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, whatever you want to talk about, we're there for you. 920-341-3775 to stay. Locked on Packers.